Welcome to Teachings in the Air. air, air. Welcome to Teachings in the Air podcast with Jerry Oldman. Coming to you from Hunkaminam Territory with a podcast series about Indigenous men's health and wellness. We aim to inspire, motivate, and empower Indigenous men to be sound. that's what health means. Heroes, transformers, and tricksters. Hey-yo, 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 hey-yo. This is Teachings in the Air with Jerry Oldman, coming to you today from Brandon, Manitoba, the homelands of the Uchelmuch, the original people here were the Dene and the North and the Cree, and Anishinaabe, the Oji Cree, the Dakota, and of course then eventually the Métis peoples, Métis Nation and all the ones that come from all over the world to Manitoba. So today's podcast is about heroes, transformers, and tricksters. I've been working on this for months and months about this part of my life. To start off, I'll talk about my heroes when I was a child. And of course, we I was watching them. We'd go to sporting events on the reserve, and they'd be playing baseball, or what they call it, hardball or baseball, like what the Blue Jays play. <laughs> that used to be the first team competition in my community. And other reservations would come and play our men. And of course, as little boys, the ones that can hit the best, run the best, catch the best, became our heroes. So that is my first time that I had have this admiration and respect for someone because of skills. They were good at it. They were fast. They were strong, physically fit men. And then after... I listened to my uncles talk about their heroes, the hunters and the fishermen, and how physically fit they were. I'd hear stories of a single man carrying a five-point buck on their back out of the bush. You know, nowadays it seemed to us it took us two or three to drag it out of the bush. You know, So I had an idea of the strength of these men. 
and how fast they were and how far they could run and how, you know, their physical fitness became my heroes. And then as I, I guess the term is, I got politicized, which means I started to look at what happened to us as a people. And I understood oppression and discrimination racism, basically unfairness towards my people. Then I started to, my heroes changed. I read about Pontiac and the people back east fighting to save a way of life. Indigenous nations fighting the British and the French. You know, Mohawks, Hurons, people fighting for the people. Then I heard of Sitting Bull, and Crazy Horse, Cochise, Geronimo. And this was in the 1850s, which is not that long ago, that we had people fighting to save a way of life, which is an indigenous way of life. So my heroes changed from sports figures to freedom fighters. Then I heard of um, Che Guevara helping the people in Cuba fight for a better way of life. What I loved about Che were his statements. Like one of them was, you cannot... Be a true revolutionary unless you love the people. When I read that statement, I wanted to become a revolutionary like that, one that loves the people. So he became a hero to me, Shea. Then Nelson Mandela, you know, in prison for 27 years, then I'd hear him speak when he got out, and it seemed like he didn't have a mean bone in his body after being put in by a racist regime in South Africa. Became one of my heroes. So my whole measure of hero changed from athletic people to freedom fighters. Those became my heroes. So I, you know, some of them were like there were men and women fighting for fishing rights for indigenous people. They became my heroes too. And after a while in my life, I realized I didn't know them really. I knew their actions and what they were doing. Because later, some of my heroes, I'd hear the criticism about some of the heroes I would say, holy cow, look at what he done. They'd say, oh, that one, you know, is, <laughs> you know, and they would say something negative. So those were my heroes. I would see, for instance, African Americans during the civil rights movement in the United States being beaten and spat on, Dogs let loose in them, hoses, you know, and they were marching and fighting for civil rights 
in the United States of America that they can ride in the front of the bus, that they could, you know, go into every, any restaurant, not just whites only or blacks only. Those ones became my heroes. So that's what, you know, I grew up in, looking for heroes, looking for someone to be like because I didn't feel good about myself. I was hurt at the Indian day school and the residential school and even walking on the streets of cities in Canada when you'd hear when I would hear racist remarks about me or about indigenous people. Tax drain, you know, you get free houses, you don't pay taxes, you get free homes, you know, all of that stuff I would hear. And it added to the negative feelings I already had about the government of Canada and the churches, about the evil people that worked in those institutions. So even with heroes that were freedom fighters, I was still feeling unsettled within. I'd have nightmares in the nighttime. I'd have negative thinking. And I realized that Jerry needs a transformation. So I heard about Coyote being a transformer in Statlium territory, that he would create food for human beings, help the human beings get fire, you know, get the, you know, even the sun and the moon. I heard these coyote stories and that coyote was a transformer and was helping people, the human beings. And then I also read the statement that our human transformers are the ones that can transform you with words or with music or through art, that when you hear them, see them, that you can feel them, and something's going to change inside of you. So I started to be on the lookout for transformers. The very first one that I felt was in ceremony, because I grew up thinking I'm not indigenous enough because I don't know my language. I have never been in ceremony. I hunted and fished. But I was missing the ceremonial part of my life and the language. And I felt, you know, I didn't feel good. I had moments of depression and self-doubt and beat myself up and stuff, you know. So... I went to this ceremony, sweat lodge ceremony, when one of our communities blockaded a road because of fishing rights. And I went to support them because I had many relatives there. And they had called this man from the prairies to come in to do spiritual support. So they had a sweat lodge. And I went. 
And I remember my stress going into the ceremony, afraid to make a mistake, wondering if I belong there. And this man spoke to us through an interpreter. He was speaking his language. And he was telling us how glad he was that we were there with him to sit in ceremony. And I listened to him. And there's this man that would pray and sing in his language. And the translator would tell us what he's saying. At one point in the ceremony, it was obvious that he was weeping and he was praying. And the translator said, He's praying for his grandchildren that they'll have this beautiful ceremony in these ways that someone will teach him when he's gone. And I listened to that man and I said, I want what that man has. Now it seems like no negativity in him. It's all positive and he was calm and he was sincere and filled with feelings. And I said, I want that. So that was my first transformation from being feeling a wannabe indigenous to be indigenous. It didn't matter I didn't know the language fluently or the ceremony, but that I could learn. So that is my transformation. I'm ever so grateful to that transformation. The second one that I wanted to share with you is I became an avid reader since I've been 13 years of age. I've been reading books. And uh, so I, I found these books on Zen Buddhism, Buddhists. And that's where I read that a Buddhist master can transform you with words. Just by speaking to you, you'll transform. So I moved to Vancouver. In uh, 1995, I was reading the Vancouver Sun newspaper. And it said that uh, it had on there uh, an ad that there's a Taiwan Buddhist master coming to Richmond. And he's going to give a free talk so I registered right away. And I went to the Buddhist talk. And I remember I registered and they asked me, do you speak Taiwanese? And I said, no. I said, oh, not to worry. They said, well, you, you can have these, or they loaned me these earbuds to put on the headphones. And a little... Uh, like a cassette deck, and they said the translators will be translating his talk. I said, oh, good. So I went into the hall, and the first time in my life, I went to the front and sat down in a front chair in front of where the master was going to be sitting. Before that, I'd always sit at the back of the bus if I got in the bus, or would go to the back of the room 
I also wanted to be at the back of the classroom. I wanted to be out of sight. But I was hungry for transformation, so I went to the front. And I sat there and I waited. And then I could hear all of a sudden these cymbals and drums, and I could smell incense. And it was a master coming. And he had some of his people with them playing the drums and the cymbals and others carrying incense. And they escorted him in and brought him to where he was going to sit. And he started speaking to us, telling us stories, and it was just like being indigenous. That was his teaching style. The first thing he talked to us about was reincarnation. He said, how do I explain this? Uh, how do I explain this? He says, well, the way I can explain it is by, it's like water. You change the temperature and it changes like a water drop will turn into a snowflake. Or it gets colder, it'll be ice. Or you add heat and it becomes a cloud. It gets into the air. He said, that's like reincarnation. It's passing through stages. So that was a, a good, I guess, teaching, but it didn't transform me. So then he tells this other story. and um, It's about this young man looking for the meaning of life and what's the purpose of this life anyway. And I... Uh, when he introduced the story, I said, yes, that could be me. So he, this young man went to the master and made a request. He said, can you teach me? Can you teach me? I want what you have. I could see it in your eyes. You're serene. You're calm. Nothing seems to disturb you. You know what this life's all about. I want that. So the master looked at him and said, yes, I can teach you. But first off, you must shave your head. Wear the robes that I wear, the same kind of robes, even though you're not going to become a monk. If I'm going to teach you, you must live like me and wear the clothing I wear and shave your head. And not have anything to do with alcohol or tobacco or women. The young guy didn't even think about it. He says, yes, I'll do that. So he'd done that. And after he was, his whole, like his body was transformed, no more hair, wearing robes. And the master says, okay, we're going to walk to my temple, to where I practice. And three days walk away, so they're walking. It's raining. And the second day, they come upon this village. There's a wide river there, a shallow river. And there's buildings on the other side. And the only way to get there was by ferry. And then as they get close, they see this young woman standing by the riverbank with an umbrella. Beautiful young woman standing there. So when the master goes up to her, and says, would you like me to carry you across the river? 
She looks at him. And she could see by the look in his eyes that she could trust this man. So she said, yes, please. So he tied his robes above his waist, took off his sandals, and picked up this woman up to his shoulders like carrying a baby and started to walk across a river and she put her arms around his neck and was talking to him and they were laughing. And the young man's watching and he's saying in his mind, we're not supposed to have anything to do with women. And the master got across the river and he put her down. They waved to each other and he left and he comes back, puts down his robes, puts on his sandals, starts walking. And a young man follows him. And they finally get to his building. And that's when the young man starts to practice living with the master and listening to him. After six months goes by, he's still feeling the same. He's not changing. He's not feeling peaceful and serene and got a handle on life. So he goes up to the master and says, Master, I'm not learning. I'm not changing. The master looks at him and says, what's on your mind? And the young man says, Master, six months ago, you told me we're to have nothing to do with women. And you picked up that beautiful woman and you were holding her and you were laughing with her. And the master puts up his hand and stops him. And says, you mean you've been carrying her for six months? And I put her down six months ago? And me and others in the crowd laughed. We're laughing at the young man for not putting her down. (laughs) And the master puts up his hand and stops us. He puts up one finger. He says, six months? That's not bad. He says, some people pick up, they carry it for a year, six years. Some people, all their lives, they carry stuff. And I was transformed when I heard that. And I put it in my mind, I'm going to put down a residential school. I'm not going to carry it anymore. It was getting heavy. It was, I was unhappy. And I started on my life of putting down the residential school, and that Zen master helped to transform me in that regard. The Cree ceremonial man helped to transform me in regards to my identity. Oh, it was, uh, those were good transformations, two critical parts of my life, these transformers came into my life, or I went into their life. You have to look for them. They're not just going to show up. Maybe they will. Maybe you're a lucky one. But I, I went to look for them, and I found them, transformers. I've had other transformers 
There was one young lady that was totally immersed in her. You could see it in the way she looked, the way she, her eyes were when she's looking, the way she danced. She was dancing for the people, and there were men singing songs, her songs, and she was dancing, and her eyes were focused on the music, and she became the music, and the way her hands were moving, it's like she's catching energy and pushing energy, and it was just so beautiful to witness that. She became the music. There was eagle down floating in the air to signify healing, and I could feel it. And it was a wonderful healing transformation. The words that came to my head, our culture is not dead, because I could see it in front of me, alive and well. I remember that day like yesterday, the beauty of that dance, the beauty of that music, indigenous. And I was, um, you know, strengthened. It helped me to be stronger. So that was, you know, my heroes and my transformers. You know, and I said, heroes, transformers, and tricksters. So now I'm going to talk about the tricksters. First off, there are human beings that will want to trick us. They'll tell us lies, they'll be phonies, you know, they'll be charlatans, you know, and we have to watch out for those tricksters too. But I was thinking mainly of coyote. My people called him transformer and trickster. Coyote had human qualities about him. He loved food. He loved, uh, he loved as a man, he loved women, you know, this trickster. But he also cared about human beings, about statlium people, my people. He created plants for us to use to help us to live better. Helped us get fire, you know, was sent here for us, coyote. You know, the stories I heard about coyote and what he, the work a coyote done and also how he'd get in trouble and he'd literally get destroyed and his friend Fox would put him back together again and he would wake up and continue to do good work for the humans until he'd make a mistake again. So in a way, when I hear the stories are teaching me that, yes, we can make mistakes, but we can recover from them. We can heal. And we can remember that we're here for the people and for Mother Earth. Because that's what I'd see Coyote doing for the people and for Mother Earth. Oh, there's times I'd listen to Coyote stories by the campfire. And we'd be laughing or shaking our heads 
or be in deep thought when we'd hear about the trickster transformer. Coyote eventually got taken away, broke principle law for our people, and he got taken away. He got scattered, taken apart. I remember they were saying that um, in the interior, different parts would go to different nations. The Okanagans got to heart. They say that because of that, the Okanagans are very friendly people, the Silch. And I have enjoyed their hospitality. So I tend to, you know, I can see the sense of that. And each of the nations got a different part of Coyote. So, but also we had the message was that Coyote will come back again when we need Coyote. And I'm thinking that time might be here because of climate change and global warming and COVID that we need the coyote again to help the human beings. Because coyote basically came to help us to teach us how to live on Mother Earth and to bring us gifts to help us live here in a good way. So I've been thinking, watching what's going on, you know, and I'm being isolated. It's time for a coyote to come back to help us. You know, so we talk with a voice of reason, that we're kind, that we're sincere. We help one another. We respect the gifts that come out of Mother Earth. So our children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren will have a good life. So that's my talk about heroes, transformers, and tricksters. We learn from all of them. We probably at times appreciate all of them. But um, I know I'm forever grateful for the transformers that were in my life. They helped me to be who I am. And I go to sleep good at night. I feel good about myself. I feel my purpose, my, what I'm here for. And I feel it's because of transformers. And of course, sometimes our children, or babies even, like my dad was a transformer for me. He was always positive. Never hear him gossip about anyone. You know, I brag about my dad. He signed up for the Second World War to defend a way of life for us. You know, my my grandfather was one of my heroes. He was a hunter, extraordinary. He, um, you know, we didn't always have rifles when he got one. He had it in his mind, the only way he'd kill a deer is by headshot. And it's the only way he'd kill them. My brother took up that practice. And they're good shots. And I have so much respect 
or people that think that way. So I'd just like to thank you for listening. And um, what heroes, transformers, and tricksters. My prayer is that we all have transformers in our lives that change the way we think, the way we talk, the way we act, the way we live. Let it be all about friends and relatives and Mother Earth. So I'd just like to thank you again and I'm going to sign off now. <laughs>